Welcome to Ed Talks, an audio podcast co-presented by Achieve Twin Cities and Graves Ventures, a project of the Graves Foundation. Ed Talks is a lively series of community conversations about public education and related issues that impact our young people. This Ed Talks is titled Change Their Minds, Change Their Lives on the court and in the classroom. This Ed Talk features coach, author, and educator Larry McKenzie. Larry is the first coach to win four straight state titles in the 100-year history of Minnesota State boys basketball, and the first coach in Minnesota high school basketball history to lead two separate schools to multiple titles. But beyond the trophies and medals, Coach McKenzie has accomplished something even more impressive, coaching and supporting his athletes to increase their academic performance alongside their athletic skills. Using basketball as a tool, he has led his players to 100% high school graduation and a 3.4 team GPA. Coach McKenzie shares stories about his journey at Minneapolis high schools and how he helps his student athletes become champions on the basketball court and in the classroom, as well as in their families and in their communities. This Ed Talk was recorded at Ice House on February 26, 2024. I am truly honored in, in, to, to be here tonight to share with you. Hopefully, I'll say a few things that uh, make sense. Uh, but we'll kind of jump right into it. So, let me. So, tonight, we're going to talk about change your mind, change your life. And I want you to repeat after me. If I could change, if I could change my mind, now as a coach, and I know I only got so much time, but I don't want to have to blow the whistle and put everybody on the line. We can do better than that, right? If I could change my mind, I could change my life. If I could change my mind, I can change my life. So before I get started, one of the reasons that I believe that is because this is the greatest computer that's ever been invented. And the maker of this computer is a perfectionist. So one of the things that that tells me is that regardless of race, creed, or whatever, that there's nothing wrong with the hardware. The challenge that we have as educators and folks that are dealing with young people is that many of our young people have what I consider a computer virus. And they have a computer virus because we have bad programs and bad programmers. Bad data in, bad data out. And so we're here today to share a few things that we've been able to do in terms of changing young people's lives by changing their minds. And so let me begin by telling my story. Oh, wrong way. Not used to. We'll get it here. So I want to start by telling my story. And I always like to start. Uh, most of my presentations with one of my favorite quotes that goes like this. It says, fortunate is a person that sees a need, recognizes a responsibility, and actively pursues becoming the answer. So for me, right out of college at the age of 21, and I always like to say it wasn't that long ago, uh, a good friend of mine by the name of Clyde Turner, some of you all may know, uh, former Minnesota Gopher, but Clyde Turner was a program director for Big Brothers. And Clyde, for whatever reason, uh, saw something in me that I didn't see at that time. And so he wanted me to be a big brother. And so I always say when your mentor is six foot eight, he can be quite convincing. So I would go on to become a big brother. But I got to say this. I grew up in a household with two teachers. 
My mom taught elementary for 34 years. My dad taught special ed for 35 years. And coming out of college, the last thing on earth that I thought that I wanted to do was hang around with kids. It just wasn't something that I thought it wa I wanted to do. But I would become a big brother, and I would be matched with a young man by the name of Jules, and Jules was 13 years old at the time. And Jules and I began hanging out, having conversations and debating and all of those kind of things for those of you that have been around teenagers or have teenagers. And so one of the things, as the more time that Jules and I spent together, the one thing that we learned that we truly had in common was a genuine love for the game of basketball. And so Jules was in middle school, seventh grade at the time, and somehow walking through the hallway, and he overheard his principal having a conversation with some adults in the building. Say, we don't think we're going to be able to have basketball this year because we don't have a coach. So what did Jules do? He volunteered none other than his big brother. And so I would go on the coach Jules basketball team, and I always say that I became a big brother with the expectation of changing a 13-year-old young man's life, and my life would be forever changed. I would go on the coach at an inner city school in North Minneapolis, which at that time had one of the highest poverty rates in the city. And many of those families was challenged. And when I say poverty, sometimes people will say, Coach, well, what was poverty? But for my kids and their family, sometimes it meant choosing between paying rent or paying the electric bill, buying a bus card or buying groceries. And even if their family on a Friday night, for those families that work, oftentimes that was not enough. And so at the high school I was at, at that particular time, the graduation rate for African-American males was 28%. And I always say my, my kids had a greater chance of going to prison than going to college. I want to say that again. A greater chance of going to prison than going to college. 95% of the kids received free and reduced lunch. And so we decided that we got a call to coach at the inner city school. And I thought that I would just be drawing up some offensive plays, defensive plays, putting in special teams. But the job required more than that. And what I learned is coaching was not a job. It was a calling. And so we would begin, and I always like this thing. My dad used to say, you have to dream it, believe it, and achieve it. So one of the things that we first started with our kids is helping them learn to dream, learn to dream. And I always talk to our kids, you have to pretend to be a champion before you become a champion. And so one of the things that we talked about all the time, regardless of what's going on, you're going to walk like a champion, you're going to talk like a champion, you're going to act like a champion. And we wanted them to dream. And then it was important that they learn to believe in ourselves. By the time you get to high school, you're so beat up. And if you go to, and if you look like me, oftentimes you've been told that you can't read, that you can't write. If you live in a certain zip code, then you're, you go to a failing school. And so we wanted to change all of that. You have to start to believe in yourself. 
See yourself as a champion. And so the dream it, we dreamed it. In terms of helping our kids believe it, we had a number of different things that we would do. First and foremost, like this year, the state tournament is March 25th. Well, I would go as far, every single kid had in their locker room the date of the state tournament. We put it on magnets. We put it on bags. We, we put it on T-shirts. I went as far one year as putting it on the pillowcase. We wanted them to learn to believe in themselves and believe that they could be champions. And then obviously, if you believe it, you dream it, believe it, you can achieve it. And so that was a big piece for our kids. And we started, before I go to the vision, in terms of the belief. So one of the things that I required for kids to play on my team was that they, the guards had to run a six-minute mile. And if you played in the post, you had to run a 6.30. And a lot of kids thought that was, and a lot of people thought we did that for punishment. But the reason that we did that is to teach our kids how to set goals, how to set goals. And so two weeks after they would run that six-minute mile, I would go back and I would say, Johnny, you remember when you was coming around that corner? You think you could have did a little bit extra that maybe we could have got that down to 557, 556? And every single kid would always say yes. And I say, well, let's talk about this. You know, if you think if you think if you can turn in more homework and show up to school on time in the classroom, we can move you from a C student to a B student. And they thought about it. And they said, yes. And then once we got them to a B student, again, we go back to that question of learning to set goals. Right. Again, could you have done better? Well, yes. Now, how do we move you from a B student to an A student? The vision statement, our vision statement for our program, and I think whether every, if your school don't have a mission and a vision statement, you need to have a vision statement. Whether that's for your English class, your science class, you should have a vision statement. So to remind my coaches what was responsible, we had this plastered around our office that our vision at Minneapolis North Community High School is to develop a foundation for a championship program to use basketball as a tool, not to prepare them to go to the NBA, not to prepare them for anything else, but as a tool to empower young men to be champions, first and foremost, in the classroom, in their families, in the community, and lastly, on the court. We were not about developing kids to jump high and put the ball in the basket, but it was about using basketball as a tool to change minds and change lives. One of the things that I would share that I think you can do in the classroom for us, every student that you deal with, you should know their why. So we would take our kids on a retreat, usually 30, 40, 30, 45 miles outside the city. We would take their cell phones away from them and make sure that we're really focusing in, the, in getting ready for our season. And so the first thing that we would do is two things that I think any educator can use. 
The first activity we had on our retreat, we called it Unpacking Your Backpack. And that was an opportunity for kids to talk to their, their teammates, to the coaches, to get everything off of your chest. We we're going to leave and create a fresh start. So everybody had their backpack. You took your backpack, you said your piece, and you pack, put your backpack in the middle of the room. And then lastly, we would do this thing. I wanted to know every single kid's why. So we would give them an index card, and I wanted to know why are you here and why do you want to be on this basketball team. And so many kids, every year, I would say, if your family has a college fund, raise your hand. I think in the 20 plus years of working in Minneapolis, at both Patrick Henry and Minneapolis North, I had maybe two hands go up. And so basketball was their college fund. And so I wanted to know why. And even in 2022, there were kids that was raising their hand and telling me that they would be the first one in their family to have an opportunity to go to college. And so that was their why. Some of the kids wanted to go to college to get a degree so that they can buy their mom a house. But I wanted to know their why. And so when things would start to go wrong in school, when you wasn't going to class, when you weren't doing the things that you needed to do, I simply reminded them of their why. You're not gonna be able to go to college. You're not gonna be able to do the things that you wanna do you cannot make these goals come true if you don't do what you wrote down on that index card. I think it's important to know your why. I also think it's important as educators. One of the things that I find interesting as a coach, every year when we walked into the gym, the first thing that we did is we talked about team goals. It's interesting to me that as a coach and a team, it wasn't about each individual kid. So when you walk into your classroom, why not have a way of building out a process that all of the kids in the classroom are working toward the same goal as a teacher? Because that's what the goal was for us as a basketball team. It wasn't about somebody scoring 20 points. It wasn't about any of those kind of things. Our goal was being state champion. So we had actually had five goals. So first and foremost, we wanted everybody to be qualified for college. We had a goal that we wanted to be conference champs. We wanted to be Twin City champ, and we wanted to be state champs. And so every day, that's what we worked toward in terms of our goals. And we reminded our coaches of that. And so I think it's important to know your why and the kids why. Accountability. One of the things that as a coach and a parent, I think you should have non-negotiables. And one of my non-negotiables was I was only gonna coach student athletes. And the way that we made uh, academics being important is first thing that we started with is I had a letter that I would send to the administrators and every teacher in the building. It was called my A-plus program, Academics Plus Athletics. 
And the goal was to develop kids in three areas. First, academic development. Secondly, athletic development. And lastly, character development. That was the focus of our A-plus program. And that would go to every teacher. And in that A-plus program, my phone number, my email was in there. And to notify that if a kid didn't turn in a paper, I wanted to know about it. If a kid was late to class, I wanted to know about it. So we held them accountable. And then next non-negotiable is every single Thursday, our kids would turn in a grade sheet. And Coach McKenzie, after practice, would look at every single grade sheet. And the contract we'll talk about, the kids and the parents assigned, was if you had a D, you can practice, but you couldn't play in a game. And initially, initially, kids didn't believe it. And I remember one game at Patrick Henry, we only had five players, with the rest of them sitting in street clothes because academics was a non-negotiable. It didn't matter who you was. It didn't matter what your status was, how good you was, how many points, or any of those things. It was a non-negotiable. So we required in that A-plus program that our kids sit in the front three rows of every class. And we asked teachers to accommodate that. Again, if they had a paper was due and they didn't turn it in, their practice would be sitting in the corner, turning in, getting those papers done, or whatever that assignment was. If they got a referral, teachers would call one of our coaches and we would deal with that. And I can tell you, we had very, very few behavior issues in our A-plus program. Our parents signed a contract, the same thing of what the expectations was, being on time. If you didn't, if you showed up, if you didn't have a, a legitimate excuse and mispractice, you were not going to play. It was about holding accountable. And one of the things that I believe in, and I've always said this, basketball, and I believe that coaches have a responsibility. It's not about winning games. It's about winning lives. And so that was my approach. And then lastly, again, so mom and dad or mom or whoever the guardian was signed that parent contract. You knew what the expectations were. And then the players all signed the contract. And so they knew mandatory study hall. Every day that we did not play a game, we had mandatory study hall. So our day would go something like this. Kids go to school. They get out at 3.15, 3.15 to 3.30. We, we gave them a snack. We fed every kid in our program. They had a snack. Then they, we would do a study hall. We had tutors from the community that would come in and work with our kids. And then we would have a life skill component. And so one of the things that, we, that was required in our program is that every single kid learn how to play chess. They learn how to play chess. And the reason that I wanted my kids to learn how to play chess is because in basketball, it's just like chess. When he do this, I'm going to do this, and then I got to be ready to make my next move. And so we did life skills. We taught them how to tie ties. We taught them how to write resumes. We brought in every single Thursday, I brought in an African-American businessman, a former professional athlete, to talk with our kids. We were not preparing them 
to just play basketball. If we can change their minds, we could change their lives. And so we all had, I got two minutes, so they all had the responsibility of those contracts. And I'm going to wrap up with this, perfect timing. I'm going to leave you with this. And I always told my kids, if you don't get anything else from Coach McKenzie, I want you to get this. And this is something that I've done for 30 years. We did it before every practice. We did it before every game. If you don't get anything else from Coach McKenzie, take this with you. That this is the beginning of a new day. I have been blessed with this day to use as I will. I can waste it or use it for good. For what I do today is important. I'm exchanging a day of my life for it. I must decide, good or bad, gain or loss, success or failure, in order that I never regret the price that I pay for it. Every day is a gift, and you are in charge of your life. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Ed Talks is co-presented by Achieve Twin Cities and Graves Ventures, a project of the Graves Foundation. For more information on Ed Talks or to watch Ed Talks videos or listen to audio podcasts, visit AchieveTwinCities.org.